week we're back. I'm so pumped for these guys. Episode 14. They almost need no introduction, but I'm going to introduce them anyway. Um, two of my my oldest teammates, uh, good friends. Uh, thrilled to have them. Tommy Marichek down in sunny Bradenton, Florida uh, at IMG Academy, former Philadelphia Wing. Both these guys played their entire career for the Philadelphia Wings. Jake Berge, you know, without introduction, number 66 from the Philadelphia Wings. And these guys were the backbone uh, of a number of championships in a dynasty that was the Philadelphia Wings. Uh, I'm proud uh, to call them friends and proud to call them teammates. Fellas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Steve. Steve. Good to be here. I, uh, I, I mean, I can't say enough about these two guys and what they mean to me and my family. I, for those people that don't know, I have a son. His name's Jake Thomas, and uh, and and you can figure out why Jake Thomas. Um, even though my wife denies it and says it wasn't true, um, my son is named after 66 and 42. So, uh, you know, means a lot to me to have you guys here, and, I, and I'm pumped. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's, that, that's, uh, that's quite an honor. I, I tell you, Steve, um, you know, my, my, my first, one of my first impressions of you, though, uh, was not the most fond. I got to say, we were um, we were in one of Shut our up. practice. We were one of our practices, and uh, we were doing uh, man up, man down. And I was a rookie. I was on the scout team, and you were on the man up uh, or the man down team. So we were kind of practicing. The balls going back and forth, back and forth, and the ball would come to me. I would throw it, and you'd come out and whack my arms. And every time I'd get the ball, I'd throw it away. You'd come out and whack me. So one time you came out to whack me, and I hauled off and whacked you in the head. And uh, think I think I gave you a couple stitches. But after that, I think we've been pretty tight, and, um, you know, the rest is history. Well, I, that was going to be one of my questions to tell that story, <laughs> but you, you kind of jumped the gun on me, which is great. But, but I remember it exactly the same way. It was, it was your rookie season. It was super early in training camp. And I knew at that point that you were going to have a long and illustrious career and I was going to love you because you had the balls to whack me back. But you did hit me in the yeah. face. Got a couple stitches. Had to hold up Tommy from getting home because we used to travel back and forth in right. That's New right. Jersey for practice, meet in the Ikea parking lot in, in, in Maryland. And, uh, you know, I'm getting stitches at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but I will never forget uh, Jake Berge took it like a man and gave it right back. <laughs> well, so, uh, I, I, was... I realized real early in my career that there was, uh, you, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't mess around at all, even in practice. I know Tony Resch would, would run quite a ship there, but um, another guy right off the bat, um, Chris Bates, we were playing this, uh, this full field scrimmage match, and I ran down the field. Ball wasn't around me, no one around me, and he hit me in the, in the chest. And I went down and gasping for air. I, I realized right then you got to keep your, your head on a swivel and you got to, you know, fight for everything you got. So, um, you know, you well, you know, when a, something you know when a midget age. like Chris Bates hits you <laughs> and it hurts that, that you're in a real game. Yeah, I wasn't ready for it. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, Tommy, tell me about how you started playing this game. I know uh, I know you've had a recent loss. Your father, our big, you know, our, our our sincerest condolences. And I know your dad was a big part of your life. And uh, I know your older brother pretty well. And and you and I played uh, Team Canada uh, with him in 1994, which was a pretty special experience for me. And and uh, uh, I know for you as well to play with your brother on Team Canada a couple times, I think. And and at the end of the day, how did you start in the game? Uh, well, it's a good story. I lived in uh, Sydney, uh, British Columbia, just south of Victoria, downtown, and I signed up for baseball. I was uh, seven years old. And, Why doesn't uh, my, that surprise me? My neighbor, uh, Andrew Neville, I still remember his name, uh, he si we both signed up for baseball for Saanich Peninsula a rec, rec program. My brother was gone. He was in Ontario for two years working and playing junior A, so I didn't even see my brother Billy for two years. He came home that summer. Just when I've, I was, was about to play my first practice in baseball, he literally took my glove and chucked it over this, the neighbor's fence. And he gave, me a, <laughs> he gave me this old wooden Logan box stick. And to his credit, he was waiting for me after school every day uh, in the fall. And, and he taught me the game of lacrosse. 
Well, you know, fond memories of Billy Marichek. He, I know he's up in Victoria. I'm sure he's probably going to watch this. He was one of your biggest fans, if not the biggest fan, when you went away to Syracuse. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, he always got kind of the hand-me-down or hand-me-ups, if you will, of every piece of orange equipment, shoe, every possible T-shirt or anything that had, had the Syracuse orange S on it. He was uh, he was all in. So Victoria pretty much owned the Syracuse. I, I remember every guy uh, on Victoria Shamrocks had Syracuse stuff. I don't know how it happened, but it must have been you and a few other guys that, that a couple uh, other guys, yeah, some other. Hey, hey Jake, I, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your background in the game because I know you got a brother, a younger brother, but you know your dad obviously had an illustrious and and famous career playing in the NFL. Uh, larger than life character who I grew to love as, as your career flourished in the National Lacrosse League. He was at every game. He was a Philly fixture at Wings games. Pretty proud uh, of obviously Scott Gabrielson's dad and, and your dad were always there and our biggest supporters on that team and uh, loved, loved getting to know your dad. He was, like I said, larger than life character. But how does a football kid – uh, you know, with an Eagles background, and obviously the homage is wearing number 66 your sure. entire career, which was your dad's number. But talk about how you got into the game of lacrosse and not football. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it was similar um, to Tommy's where, where I just had an influence. And um, it was my older brother. We went to a, a small private school out in um, Unionville, Pennsylvania. And uh, it, it was such a small school that all the kids had to play three sports. And you didn't have a choice. It was um, it was soccer, it was ice hockey, and it was lacrosse, and that's that's what you had. Um, but my older brother went through the school first. He started playing it, so I kind of picked it up, just wanting to do what your older brother did. And um, and I just I, I really took a liking to the sport, um, and and that's kind of how it blossomed. And and um, I went to I went to that school. It goes up to ninth grade and then went on to the Tattnall School, which is down in Wilmington, Delaware. And, uh, and you know, that's really kind of where I started blossoming into a player. And, and I just, uh, you know, the, the sport has given so much to me and, and um, you know, just enjoyed every minute of the ride. I think it's funny, and you guys can talk about this at least a little bit, but, you know, football, interestingly enough, like the line in football, the offensive players on the line in football, which I think your dad was an offensive lineman, was he not? He was not. He was a he was a linebacker, but shows what I know, right? But anyway, the <laughs> offensive line in foot. He was big enough to be an offensive line. He was, yeah, he's big. But boy. the offensive line in football is more of a defensive position, as you protect your quarterback, right? And the defensive line position, you're trying to get to the quarterback, so it's more of an offensive. If you switch lacrosse and football, offense and defense are kind of juxtaposed there. And and what I find interesting is that you played the game of lacrosse like a defensive tackle trying to get to a quarterback because, and not many guys could stop you. Tommy, right? Well, you watched him play a lot. He, he cleared a lot of space for you. He did. He did. We had a little uh, one-two connection, sometimes not legal. Um, <laughs> a lot of, I don't know what lot you're of, talking about. A lot of cross-checks to the, to the hips. and the uh, But it was great. You know, Obviously, that's another story. Jake and I – were uh, a perfect match for each other. So you guys walk into the locker room and you both did it kind of at different times. And Tommy, a seasoned veteran of the box game, obviously, and went to Syracuse and had an illustrious career there. Uh, you know, but you got drafted, I think, by Buffalo, right? And so there was a couple trades and things. Were yeah, moving. yeah, I got Buffalo. I went to their practice twice and uh, realized uh, I wasn't one of those guys. Um, <laughs> I just, I needed a year off. I was dating a girl from Syracuse at the time and, uh, I just wanted to enjoy my life after I played at Syracuse for four seasons. So it was a good choice. Mike French and I got on the phone and Gary and Paul kind of advocated for myself. And uh, I played the next year in 94. So you and I walk into that locker room at the same time. And we didn't really walk into a locker room in the first practice, right? You walked into a practice facility that you and I probably looked at and went, whoa, what is this place? Because it wasn't anything we had ever been in before. Uh, and we go into a training camp with a bunch of guys that have never really played the game. Um, but obviously 
I, I shouldn't say a bunch of guys that had never played the game, uh, an established Philadelphia team that had lost in the finals to Buffalo in 92 and 93. Uh, and you and I walk in in, in, the, in October of 1993. Tell me about your first impressions at camp. Oh, it was exciting. You know, it wasn't like Canada where we're used to, uh, you know, guys uh, grew up together. So that team was a mix of Philadelphia guys, New York guys. Um, right away, they made us feel welcome. And you got to admit that, you know, Scott Gabrielson was great. He was a great captain. And uh, you got Gary Martin, Chris Flynn, and, uh, you know, Paul Denikin. And they were just a, right away, you knew there was such, there's unified, it was a unified team. And, and, uh, they made me feel welcome. I didn't go in there, you know, with a chip on my shoulder being a Canadian guy. And, and Scott Gabrielson was, was great. I loved that whole atmosphere. Yeah, I remember it much differently. I did go in with a chip on my shoulder. and they, <laughs> so. You know, I, I, uh, I, I remember it a little differently. But I, I do remember this. You had Back in the day, you had two weekends to make the team. You had four practices. You basically went in. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, the following weekend. And, and that's how you, you, you had a chance to make the team. Dallas Elliott was a goalie, obviously, and, and he advocated for me a little bit, and, and so did the Gates. But uh, ultimately, uh, we make that team. That team was pretty successful. But, but uh, Bergie, you walked into a team that was relatively established, you know, in, in 97, 98, and – and that, you know, what was your impression as a field guy walking into that build that room? Well, it was probably quite a bit different, you know, because one, I never played box across besides, you know, pick up in college where we were trying to get a, a workout in. So it was, uh, it was a little bit of learning on the fly. Um, and just like you said, I remember the same thing. You had two weekends to, to try to make the team and, um, you know, not an easy thing to do now. Fortunately, we were very locally uh, weighted with local guys in, um, in on the Philly team, and I, I think that may have helped a little bit. But um, you know, one one funny story I remember that when I was I was trying to make the team, we had a we had to uh, practice I think up in Pennington, New Jersey, and um, and I remember it was a it was a Saturday night and then a Sunday morning, and I flew up there and I or we drove up there and I ended up getting a room because it's about an hour and a half from my house because we had an early practice the next day. And I was staying at this little hotel room and I get, I call the front they, uh, for a wake up call and they never gave me the wake up call. So I roll into practice about 20 minutes late, you know, just absolutely appalled, um, you know, that I'm going to get cut because of this. But, uh, you know, it, it was, it was definitely different because, you know, I'm trying to learn the game. You know, I have all these guys that, that I looked up to, you know, Steve Govitz and Tom Marichek's and the gates. And, and now I'm, you know, playing with these guys, I had season tickets, you know, all through high school. So, you know, I, I feel like I was a student of the game. I, I tried to learn the game, but, but again, it was a, it was a lot of learning on the fly for me, um, you know, trying to figure out this game and make the team at the same time. I remember Tony Resch saying stuff like, you know, you can't really prepare to play box lacrosse. It's, it's kind of like, work, you know, getting prepared for camp was like working out in a washing machine. And uh, you're getting tumbled and turned and, and beat on and, and uh, the crap kicked out of you. But, you know, obviously you both had first games and, and Tommy, your first game in the spectrum. And I seem to remember somehow that you and I watched a game, our, our first game from the press box together, um, and not many people will remember that uh, about your the illustrious start of our careers was in the press box for the Philadelphia Wings, um, and and you and I were both pretty pissed off. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Why well, I was. And, uh, I was watching your episode with Jimmy Rogers explaining that whole situation. Um, <laughs> I went to my girlfriend's formal uh, back at Syracuse and uh, GT Corrigan, I think he had was a lot it, to hey, Was it her high school formal? It was high school, yeah. It was high school. <laughs> so GT Corrigan um, had it in for me for some reason. He, he had it up for me. And uh, we get back to practice before the first game of the season against the Saints at the uh, Spectrum. And all of a sudden, you know, I was getting my red on, you know, first line, second line. I forgot the colors back then, f color schemes. And all of a sudden, uh, I think Tony Rush is like, all right, Marichek, you're green. And I looked around going, green? 
Green's like the fourth line. That's they're not Green's not playing. <laughs> Green's not starting in the game. Jimmy Rogers is like, hey, how's how's it going, Chuchi? What's going on, Chuchi? She's like, look, I'm like, you mother, <laughs> you mother. So Jimmy Rogers took my spot first game because yeah. I missed I missed practice, a, a crucial practice. But uh, I never did that again. And I was with you in the stands watching Jimmy Rogers score two goals, and I think he had a, an assist or two. So I'm like, wow, my, my job's in jeopardy here. My spot's in jeopardy. <laughs> but for those people who don't know, back in that time frame, we had a 20-person roster, and it included goal ten, 23, actually, with goalies, and, and 15 runners dressed in two goalies. So 17 guys dressed a little bit now, a little bit different now, but meant a full five-person line didn't play. And Tony would post – the roster, the lineup before practice on Wednesday nights when we practice. And so you knew going into practice. And I will never forget the hardest working guys, the most pissed off guys, were the five guys that weren't playing. And ultimately, the five guys, and you called them the green line. I didn't remember that, but the, the green line would be the guys that ended up like winning practice because they would beat the tar out of everybody. <laughs> They would score every goal. They would show everybody up and and try really hard because they were all angry. But I do remember that. Jake, do you remember it that way? Oh God, I, I remember. I, I remember when he would tape it up on the on the glass, like right before you would go out to practice, and you just kind of go down looking for your name, hoping you were on it. So, uh, yeah, I, I remember that, and and uh, it was it was tedious. And you're right, man. It was a battle in practice. I, I remember. You know, we talked about you, you and I getting into it right off the bat, but I remember full-blown fights in practice because, you know, guys are fighting it. And, and those guys who didn't play, you know, they're practicing that Wednesday for hopefully trying to make the game the following week. Um, well, you know, so they're, they're battling. Tommy, 1995, <laughs> the five guys that made the team didn't dress in one game. The hmm. There were five guys that were on the green line the entire season. Nobody got hurt. Nobody – they literally did not play. Gabby Rowe was one of those guys. I remember Gabby Rowe. You guys – you probably don't remember this story, but Tommy will. But I had a fight with Jake uh, – or with uh, – with I had a lot of fights in practice. Gabby Rowe in practice and I had a fight in the preseason. I didn't know who this guy was. He was a joker used a weird stick and, and, you know, get out of the ball and talked a lot and looked like the Joker. Now he's Tommy Merrick's brother-in-law. <laughs> Gabby, Gabby Rowe and I have a fight in practice. And, you know, we, you know, typical fight in practice. You take your helmets off, things happen. He has no idea what he's in for. You know, <laughs> go that, things go the way they go. And then it's over, and I'm walking away. He picks up his helmet, and he's coming at me with his helmet. He's going to hit me in the back of the head with his helmet on the way out of practice. There's no penalty, no referees. Somebody grabbed him before he hit me in the back of the head, or it would have been a homicide. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I, uh, I'll never forget that story. But Gabby Rowe didn't play the rest of the year. So maybe he probably shouldn't mess with me. shouldn't mess with me. Mess the with the bully get the horns. The goop, right. the goopster. Yeah, the I love the goop. The goop. So, first game in the spectrum for you. Was it in the spectrum, Jake? It was in, no, in the no. building, right? I, in the Wells Fargo the Center? Year. Yeah. So, just to back up a little bit, we kind of how I got into this and playing box. If you remember, um, when I came into the league, they the players were striking. And I remember Chris Flynn was basically like, you know, are you – are you with us? Are you with them? Cause you know, I, I've been playing lacrosse. I've been waiting for this moment for, you know, the past 10 years to, to try out for the wings. And I think the first, you know, three weeks of practice, we basically just, we sat out and, uh, and that was tough, but no, my first, um, my first game was in the, in the new building. I think it was the first year. Um, so, you know, everyone, told me how great the old spectrum was and everyone was on top of you. So I did miss that, but I also did miss the spandex. So uh, I guess it's a little <laughs> give and take. I didn't have to, I didn't have to go that route. Um, but my, you my fit, first, you in the fit and spandex, your legs are too big. <laughs> my, my first game I'll, I'll never forget was up in Buffalo though. And I line up to take a, a face off as one of the wing guys and whoever I was playing with kind of gave me an elbow up in the chops. And, you know, we get your jaw, like, knocked off line. 
right off the bat, get my jaw knocked offline. I can't see straight. And I was like, I, I didn't know what I got myself into, but, um, but I ended up having a couple goals that game and, and, um, and, and, you know, that's just good. Just have to keep your head on a swivel at all times. I know that. And Hey, thank God. We thank God that that year we had you because they just traded uh, Gary gate to uh, the thunder. Dennis Townsend had a, bucket full of money for Gary. And of course, Gary jumped right. on it. Um, but everybody counted us out, right? Remember that? Everybody's like, oh, yeah, you got no Gary, no Gary Gate, no championship. And, and we were, uh, it was actually, they put fuel in our fire and, and into the fire. And that's what just ignited us. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we, and we end up playing them in the, uh, in the finals in that, you know, best of three series where, where we, uh, I think yeah. we won home and then one down there to, t- to take the title. Yeah. Yeah, we won it on a Tuesday game. night for the you guys remember a Tuesday <laughs> night in Baltimore, um, and and the road trip home was a ton of fun. Oh. But what was, your, what was your favorite road arena to play in? I, I mean, I, I I love the controversy, right? So I, I Buffalo was always great. I felt like you know the fans really tried to ride you. They you know, you'd walk into the into the locker room and they're spitting on you and and giving you the finger and everything else. Um, so I always liked there. I had a bunch of family in, in the Rochester area, a bunch of family and friends. So, um, I always enjoyed going up there as well. And then, and, you know, I, I always liked playing in, in Toronto as well. Cause there was a lot of fans and Colorado was similar to that late in my career. But, um, you know, that was, uh, I, I loved a lot of fans. I loved a lot of, you know, hostility, a lot of anger. And, and I kind of fed off that. Tommy, you played in a lot of sold-out buildings in the National Lacrosse League and the Mill back in the day and, and the Spectrum and the Odd and Maple Leaf Gardens and, and you know, all, all those cool buildings to play in. Uh, we played in the Boston Garden and, you know, obviously you I know you love playing in the Boston Garden so much that you missed the flight the next day, but let's not get into that. Um, but what was your favorite road arena? Buffalo. The odd. Um, Had to be, right? Yeah, that was uh, – well, actually, going back, Steve, yours, your and my first game in 94 was at the odd, wasn't it? Yeah. It was on the road. Um, we actually won. And I remember that you and I had to be the uh, rookies to go fill up the uh, bathtub in one of the hotel rooms of, with uh, ice and beer before <laughs> the game even started. So I kept on wondering, do we have a game tonight? Because we're kind of getting ready for this big party. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the odd was scary. You, that, that environment was crazy with the foghorn and the lights and, and the, and the seats were just on top of you. And, uh, that was, uh, yeah, it's crazy. That environment was great. Um, I don't know which was scarier playing in the Buffalo auditorium or going to the club after the game. Ooh, somebody got, <laughs> somebody got stabbed at, didn't somebody get stabbed at the Le club one year when we were yeah. there? And then. And then Jimmy Rogers got jumped on by this giant person that, oh, wait, he was dancing. That's right. He was just dancing. He was dancing. It was his date. Was, Do you mind if I dance with his date? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Jimmy was half the size. Uh, but Buffalo, Boston Gardens obviously was a special place. It was a, such a rat hole I didn't realize. You watch this place on TV. All, you know, I was a Boston Bruins fan as a kid. And to actually play in that arena was special to me. But uh, – what a dump. You had to everywhere. run faster than the rats to get onto the field. Yeah, rats everywhere. All yellow chip paint everywhere. Um, you know, Nassau Coliseum was a dump. Yeah, yeah um, I was going to say that, that place isn't much better. But nothing beats, right, Jake? Nothing beats Syracuse. The War oh, Memorial. Oh, yeah. The War that Memorial. Was, you literally had to go shower, uh, find a sink outside to shower because <laughs> – the shower I, I, yeah. the drip. This, I remember this. you. I, I remember we came in and, and instead of having lockers, our jerseys were hung on pipes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I got actually one year I got staph infection from that freaking place. <laughs> staph infection. I had to take pills for like a month. I had scabs all over my legs from the carpet. Uh, the worst turf carpet ever was that Syracuse place. Cali BBQ is proud to be an official sponsor of your San Diego Seals. Buy our slow-smoked barbecue at any SEALs home game or online anytime at www.calibbq.media. Hey, uh, uh, Bergie, tell me about wearing number 66. What, what did that mean to you for your career? Um, yeah, so, 
so, you know, I had obviously a bunch of different numbers throughout, um, throughout growing up. And, um, when I got to college, I was number six and, uh, and then, you know, when I kind of transitioned in and was going to Philadelphia and playing, I, you know, it just seemed like the right decision. Um, you know, the, the you have a, a lot of a lot of fans of the wings that are obviously Phillies fans and Flyers fans and Sixers and and of course the Eagles. So, you know, I, I thought it was a, a you know, one a kind of a tribute to my dad who's you know, been there throughout my career the whole time and, and has helped me in so many different ways. And then I thought it was cool for the fans maybe to see 66 running around, you know, Philly again with, with Bergie on the back of his jersey. So I think it was, a, it was a, you know, the, the right decision. And, and um, you know, I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love every minute of it. I love the fans, you know, chanting my name and, and yelling 66 and it was uh yeah, great time. Hey, so Tommy, I don't know that we have time to go into all the origins of all your nicknames, but like there were a lot of nicknames. Uh, no, Tommy there was. Chooch and Hollywood. Yeah. And how, many, um, how many did you have? I had a few. Actually, my first nickname was, uh, the peppers back home called me chachi from joni loves chachi the happy days because they swear i they swore i had a red bandana wrapped around my jeans at a party and i and i had a comb in the back pocket just like chachi my hair was always parted in the middle as a kid but uh i don't know pepper called me hollywood oh the lights went off um can you still see me i can still yeah, see you. you um anyways hollywood started with You're the pepper looking in the dark thank you Hollywood uh, started with peppers and the mental cup is started calling me that. And I don't know, whatever. I just, I guess that's what it, that's where it started. Chuchi, there, there was this great playing with both you and your brother. You guys had like a nonverbal communication process that you would, you would do these little sounds. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Tell me about yep. that because it's, it's actually an interesting story. How that, how that came about. Well, I'm one of six siblings, and uh, three of them are hard of hearing. Uh, my two sisters and my brother, Brian. And Brian played a lot of lacrosse as well uh, growing up. And when we played a little backyard lacrosse around the driveway, he really couldn't hear well. He couldn't be like, Brian, pass the ball. Brian, here, I'm open. So whoop, whoop was the thing that kind of caught his attention. So <laughs> we're like, whoop, whoop. So he knew exactly who to pass to. Um, and that just stuck as, a, as when I was a kid and Billy was teaching me, you know, Billy's 13 years older than me. So whoop, whoop started. And, and that was from Brian, my brother, Brian Marichek and uh, Gary, Gary gate. That's all he calls Billy's whoop, whoop. So every time Gary comes home in the summer, he goes, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> it's pretty funny because it caught on a lot of times on the teams that we were on and in both team Canada and, and, and the wings at times we would do it to you and you would see us, not the very much, but you would, you would see us, you know, a lot. look, he didn't pass the ball mainly because he was shooting and it was going in the net and you didn't want to pass to me anyway, but come on. <laughs> yes, I did. Of course I did. So anyway, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, look, you guys together for a long time and had a, an amazing chemistry. I'm not sure you used the terms whoop whoop, but you guys <laughs> really had this massive chemistry for a long period of time and ultimately, you know, came together to play together. Um, and, and it was a thing of beauty and, and, you know, thing of beauty. It was a bit, a bit of beauty in the beast. Like Jake was a pretty much straight ahead. Was beauty. Right through. Tommy was beauty with, with his stick and, and a magician, and I know John Grant, right? You know, nowadays because of television and the MLL and all that fun stuff, gets this this uh, uh, moniker that he's a magician with his stick and a wizard, if you will. But Tommy was the original wizard uh, with his stick, but you guys played together for a long time. Just talk about that chemistry you had. Yeah, I mean, I, I can start here. Um, you know, first of all, it it made my job a whole lot easier playing with Tommy you know he's he's going to score goals from angles that 90% of the people aren't going to be able to even have a look at so um, you know I think our games jive so well together just like you said you know I was a big body I was strong people it was tough to to move me and and I think 
back when we played, you know, you could get away with a little more clutching and grabbing than you can today. And, um, you know, I had a knack to kind of get underneath the guy and, and grab a hold of him. And then I would just stand my ground and then Tommy would feed off that. And we just had a real good, um, a real good process where if they're both jumping to Tommy, he's going to find me the ball. And, and if not, I'm just using both myself and this other guy as a, a big double pick and, and he's running around. So, um, you know, I know there was one article, I think it came out in either lacrosse magazine or, or one of those and it, it called us the uh, Stockton and Malone of, of lacrosse. And I thought that was pretty cool because um, you know, those guys at the, at the height of their career did it the best. And, and, um, you know, I just think I, we just had a good chemistry and a good vibe and, and you know, worked off each other. Yeah. Which one was Stockton and which one was Malone? <laughs> Stockton. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the 5'10 Stockton. Um, <laughs> no, Jake was – obviously, Jake was great to play with. You know, Gary left and Jake came in and filled a great void there for the wings. And uh, having him as the righty on my side was, was amazing. And like I said, we, we cheated a lot. Uh, we, we didn't get caught a lot and, uh, I was holding some jerseys and hitting hips and he was doing the same and he would hold my guy with one arm as I go around and score dive or whatever, but pass it back to Jake. If he's open, if two guys clamped on me, so we worked so well together. I think we're, we're definitely were the two best, uh, two men, uh, team ever. Um, and I miss that. The, the problem was though, when we wanted to know one finally in Toronto, uh, Jake went and played in a, a stupid match that he shouldn't have in December. Uh, I think it was in Colorado, right, Denver? And I told yeah. Jake, I, I told Jake, it's, it doesn't mean anything. I'm not going. I'm going to get ready for the season. And Jake goes and blows his freaking knee out. And uh, he just wasn't the same anymore. <laughs> so, all one you guys win in, in uh, Toronto against a team that, that everybody thought. And some of your championships – in fact, Tommy, all your championships with the Wings, and, and I know, you know, we won three of them together, um, with the exception of 95, 94, 98, 2001, Philadelphia was pretty significant underdogs and, and probably underappreciated uh, going into those games. And, and 01 was kind of the pinnacle of that uh, with a, a great roster that, Really good GM put together and then left, but we're not going to get into that. We got a but, better GM that year, Rogers, didn't we? I know because he bought all the drinks. I know. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so <laughs> the players were all in place, but uh, you know, Mark Millen, another you know unbelievable player. Clarkey, 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 Clark and he was John awesome. Gagliardi and Tom Fair, and uh, you know there was a number of guys that stepped up in that game, and 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 I think Rat was in that game, and yeah. Obviously, Dallas Elliott played out of his mind, but but that 2001 championship was really – you guys went up into, into you know, the Air Canada Center and, and took it to them in a 9-8 game and, and I think shocked the lacrosse world with that win and the last championship in the, in the league of your careers. But, uh, man, what, a, what an unbelievable uh, run that was in Philadelphia. And, and, but who would you consider your hated, most hated rival? for years. I mean, I think it's an easy answer, but what, what do you guys think? I, I think you probably would guess it. I don't know if you're talking individuals or you, you're talking teams, but, um, you know, Toronto were, was kind of a, you know, a thorn in our side there for, for a while at the end. And um, I remember, you know, going into that championship game in 01 and, you know, we get in our hotel rooms and we're settled and flipping through the TV and, um, you know, Colin Doyle is on and they're talking three Pete and they're talking this and that and greatest team ever. And, you know, I, I think every, a lot of people kind of took that to heart and, and, um, and uh, you know, we, we came out with a chip on our shoulder and, and, um, and took it to him. I know the game was nine, eight, but it, it really wasn't even that close. Um, I think they scored a, a bunch of late goals to, you know, including one with like a ha half a second left to um, to make it even that close. But, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, Coyle and Bullen and those guys, um, you know, battling with them, uh, Tommy and I. I. I remember one one TV game that we had. It may have even been that game 
where they made us do a, a standoff before the game and just kind of stare at each other while the TV cameras went around and filmed us, which was kind of an awkward moment. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Toronto, I would say probably was the, uh, was the, you know, the team that I, I really wanted to, you know, beat. How about you, Tom? I agree. I think Toronto became my, uh, my arch nemesis. Of, of, of course, they weren't in the league the first four or five years, but uh, Buffalo was first. But yeah, Toronto did. They got a little too cocky and uh, they had a write-up actually in the paper um, before that championship game. Remember that, Jake, how the Americans, yeah. the Americans are weak. They don't cut through the middle. They're scared. So that fired us up seeing that article um, before that championship game. And I remember specifically in that practice, we had a shoot around in the Air Canada Centre before the championship game No one, We were, you know, I'm like, guys, put that ever-ready ever ready battery on your shoulder. Have a chip on your shoulder tomorrow because uh, we're better than them. We're better athletes. And, uh, and we were that game. So uh, we talked a little bit about your rivals and who, you know, who you hated to play against. But if you could pick a guy that you played against your, your career that you wanted to sit next to in the locker room and from another team, um, and I know you guys spent a lot of time sitting next to each other in, in – in uh, the wings locker room, but you know, who would that be from another team that you you'd want to spend some time with and get to play with instead of against? I, I mean, I, I think it's pretty easy for me and, and uh, I actually played with, with these two guys um, in, in the MLL in the outdoor league. Um, but uh, John Grant and Tracy Kaluski, um, you know, Grant, obviously all the accolades and, and, uh, you know, watching what he does, but, um, you know, Tracy was such a smooth player and, and, um, you know, I think we would have had, you know, a similar chemistry like Tommy and I had, um, because of some of the nifty stuff that he can pull off. So those two guys, you know, buddies of mine, because I played on, um, teams with them. We actually roommates up in Rochester one year in the outdoor league, but, um, you know, I would have loved to have played indoor with those guys. I thought of, about this it was tough um but i never played with sal lacasio and i've always liked sal sal's a good guy and uh i think he's very intense nobody knows that about him he's very intense he's uh he uh he wants to win at everything and uh he's just a good guy him and sal and i became really good friends and he and he did win uh, a lot you know except for when he was playing for the saints but you know, interesting story about Sal Acasio, which one day I'm going to get him on on this podcast and, and talk to him and Patty McCabe. Uh, I have them lined up for the future because uh, I think that's a great New York Saints story. But um, Sal Acasio is the only American goalie to go into this Hall of Fame in the National Lacrosse League. And I think it has a lot to do with his adoption of the game and playing early on and, and his determination at trying to be you know the best that the best goalie that he could possibly be, but it, but again, you take a guy that played a lot of, of of field lacrosse, outdoor lacrosse, and then threw him into the goal uh, for the New York Saints, and and you got to give him a ton of credit, man. He get, he has a Hall of Fame career as a pioneer goaltender, and a lot of people don't really understand why a guy like that would be in the Hall of Fame as an American goaltender that didn't didn't have a huge track record of championships and whatnot, and, uh, but, but literally was the first pioneer American that kind of embraced the game and excelled at the game, so a ton of credit to him. Um, talking about the Hall of Fame, and Tommy, you're in it. Jake, you're not, but not – it won't be long before you are. And, and I, you know, I personally who have, you know, the opportunity to vote on that would vote for you uh, in that situation very quickly. I think there's a lot of guys that aren't in the hall of fame, but uh, resurrecting that is coming soon and, and excited about what that means for the rest of the league and, and the legacy that you guys have. If you could name one guy that you would put in the hall of fame that, that is not there today, who, who might that be? Well, mine's easy. I, Jake Berge, obviously. That's easy. I can't. Well, what do you want one way to do? He should be in the Hall of Fame. Jake Berge should be in with me. Um, we have our jerseys hanging up together. Why not have to be in the Hall of Fame together, right? Um, How about you, Jake? What do you think? Uh, it's a good question, man. You know what? I, I, I didn't get prepped on this one, so um, I, I'd have to think about it a little bit. Um, but, I, you know, there's just so many guys that are deserving of it um, and so many guys that I really 
um, you know, I've kind of read about, but didn't get to see a lot on the West Coast and, and in Calgary and, and some of those guys. So I, I, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> well, hey, I'm going to I'm going to throw out some names to you guys and and I want your first reactions. And the interesting thing is you guys have already brought them up throughout the conversation. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about those guys and and. Obviously, you know, top of the list, I'm going to throw the name and, and your first reaction when you hear the name Gary Gate. Best friend, best teammate, best player. Yeah, I mean, greatest of all time. Bob Watson. Very predictable. I love scoring. <laughs> I love scoring goals on him. I scored many goals on Bobby Watson. Great guy, though. I guess because he's more you know, he's Toronto Rock, I guess. That's why I loved, I just love playing against him. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, just uh, uh, obviously a staple on, on that championship team. And, um, you know, uh, Tommy obviously scored more goals. I, I guess I had more assists against him because I don't remember running them up on him by any means. <laughs> uh, Tony Rush. Oh, one of my top three coaches ever love Tony Resch discipline. Uh, he has everything, integrity, um, consistency as a coach, very consistent. And that's, I really, really enjoyed those years with Tony. Yeah. The, uh, the, I mean, T Tony Resch, I think is, is one of the greatest indoor coaches ever. And, and the one thing that I, where I really noticed it was when we played in the heritage cup, the first year where, um, U.S. kind of went in and we upset Canada in the, in the Heritage Cup and Tony Resch was our coach. You know, we had all these players from different areas and whenever we got in the locker room, the respect that he not only demanded, but the respect that he got from all the players, just, you know, he started talking, everyone shut up and, and was like all in on whatever he had to say. And, and that's you know, that's not the first time I knew he was special, but that's when I really noticed, you know, he, he doesn't just have my respect. He's got everyone in the league's respect. I just, uh, I give him the most respect for being able to pull off the flowery shirt, no jacket, no tie, buttoned all the way up to the top. I mean, that's a strong, <laughs> if you can pull that off while you're yelling at a referee, I mean, I, I think that was pretty strong. I know, well, he, had, I know he had the Mr. Potato Head tie too, right? Well, I know Tommy uh, uh, Tommy Ryan tried to pull off that look a little later on after after Tony had retired, and it just failed miserably. So, you know, if Tony can pull it off, anybody can pull it off. Um, how about Casey Powell, fellas? I know a fellow Syracuse alum. Tommy, you watched him play for a long time. Awesome, awesome outdoor player. Very versatile. Can play attack in midi. Um you know, unfortunate for him, he didn't get to play much. He was hurt in that 98 special world game, Steve, that you and I were playing. A, yeah. a great game. But uh, Casey became pretty good friends. We became pretty good friends recently. Um, he was living just around the corner here in Sarasota. But uh, unbelievable, um, you know, athlete. Yeah, I mean, Casey's fantastic. I actually, um, I actually met Casey. I think he was maybe even a freshman in college. Uh, but he came down, he was really close with Jason Kaufman, who was a, a teammate of mine at Salisbury and, um, and kind of, you know, started getting to know Casey a little bit. And then over the years, obviously his work speaks for itself, both indoor and outdoor. I mean, you know, you know, top two or three players ever to play the game in any, any indoor or outdoor. Well, he certainly rose to the top of the indoor game, you know, for a number of years, uh, and, and was man was he good and uh, and he could put the ball in a coffee can uh, I I'm sure he would say and he was uh, one of the first guests or the first guest with uh, John Grant on this podcast and and he gives a ton of credit to Tom uh, to Tommy on on you know kind of crafting the way he played the game and throwing a backhand and and uh, you know the uh, the respect that I think he garners throughout, you know, all of, of indoor and outdoor lacrosse is pretty, uh, pretty respected. So it, it's pretty good. Next name. And you already chatted about him, Tommy, Sal Acasio. Intense, best outdoor goalie ever. Number one, without a question. 
I got a funny story about Sal. Uh, we went to Myrtle Beach one year with uh, Tim Sedan, Sal Acasio, uh, Mark Millen, and uh, I think there was like 10 other UMass guys. They're all, all UMass alums. We go there. Sal Acasio was in my golf cart. He didn't want anybody drinking beers. He was telling people not to pee in the woods. Um, he was just a pain in the ass. And uh, <laughs> finally, after we played nine, we go to the snack shack around uh, the turn, and I just bought a bag of like 20 beers on ice. And I said, Sal, you better shotgun one of these freaking things with me right now, or I'm going to kick you out of my cart. So he shotgunned a beer. All of a sudden, by the 12th hole, there's this par three with this little rowboat chained to the uh, side. He's in the freaking rowboat rowing <laughs> takes the chain off the freaking land he goes look guys look guys i'm rowing i'm rowing so he was wasted after being mr such a wimpy ass guy the whole nine you know two hours i, I made him shotgun a beer and then he had this plaid shirt on with plaid shorts didn't match it was just an ugly mess but he's a piece of work i love sally yeah, I mean, I, I, I look at Sal as, as the, the Casey pal of, of lacrosse, uh, you know, as the field player as a, to the goalie, where Sal's the best all-around goalie, indoor, outdoor there is, I think, period. Um, you know, there's, there, there's not many that, that make that change, um, especially as well as he did it. The antithesis of, uh, of athletic goaltending, uh, Terry Bullen. Big, awkward Egg on a spooner, but gets the job done. Play actually teammate of mine, 1990 Brooklyn Redmond. I actually won a I actually won a man cup with them in 1990. Yeah, I mean just just a, a, you know a big mean dude out there, and you know I we we had a a, a bunch of uh, run-ins, but I I remember back when it was it was big to have your palms cut out of your gloves. And we were playing, uh, we were playing against him. And I remember he was holding his stick, kind of playing defense on me. And I looked down and his fingers were wrapped around his stick and he basically had no gloves on. And I turned and I slapped my stick down as hard as, as hard as I could onto his fingers just to see if I could get him to squeal a little bit. Cause I know he made me, um, go into some pain over the years, but, uh, you know, tough guy competitor. Last guy that I'll bring up, it's a bit of a curveball for you guys, but Andy Ogilvy. Ooh, ooh. 1986 Minto Cup at Coquitlam. You know that arena, Govett. <laughs> 86 Minto Cup, just a fighter. He, I forgot who he fought on Coquitlam, but we we're in the stands at Squamma Legion watching, and he, I, I said, that guy's the toughest guy I've ever seen in my life. He just wailed one of the biggest guys in the league from Coquitlam and, and he's just hard nosed. And I actually ended up, we ended up playing with him in 94. He was on our Canadian team and uh, what a sweetheart of a guy. You would never think a guy that sweet <laughs> could be so tough and mean, but he, he's one of the toughest guys I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I think he pretty much hit, hit the nail on the head. Just a, a, a tough, you know, mean dude fighter that, you know, you know, that intimidated people. So, hey, I, I close the podcast with everybody with kind of the same question because I think the stories, uh, the narratives the, that we want to craft uh, of our history in the National Lacrosse League and history of the, and the major indoor lacrosse league, we got to tell at some point. And, and getting it out there and recording what we think those stories should be is the start of the process. But if you could craft a 30 for 30, uh, an ESPN 30 for 30, uh, about any topic in the National Lacrosse League, what would that topic be? Hmm. Well, I, I mean, I think if you could, you know, basically, if you could follow um, just basically a weekend of these players, what they go through, at, you know, catching their flight to when they land back in Philly, I, I think that would be something. But personally, and and. I guess not really the NLL, but um, I, I, I would say, and, and I'm probably biased in this whole thing, but the, the Heritage Cup team that we had um, where, where the U.S. upset Canada, um, you know, is probably as big as any Canadian over U.S. outdoor upset there was. Um, 
you know, just as in the indoor game, I think that was, that would probably make a pretty good story. It was a pretty good story. Right, I would have on that uh, team in O2. No, no, I took a year off. Um, I would say that O1 one team, the, the uh, Philadelphia wings. O one has to be down there as a 30 for 30. We were yeah. underdogs. Um, and uh, everybody counted us out. So that was, that was a great special year for us, Jake. And uh, the wings. Yeah, have been- we had, we have some documentation of that too. Cause I, I remember I took a, a video camera um, that I had had, you know, kind of behind the scenes. That was one of the, the early, early portions of, of that, but I got to try to dig that tape up because it's um, it's something. Yeah, I remember. I think Gags, you and Gagliardi, I think Gags had right, a video yeah. camera that whole season because he wasn't playing that much at first. Right. Um, and I knew we made it when we had our own posters in those those posts outside of the uh, arena, remember? <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're, we're driving our cars, and I'm like, oh, Jake, there you are. Tom, there you are. <laughs> we had our own our own little stalls, our little posters outside of the uh, the Wells Fargo Center. But uh, oh, Dallas, so- Elliott, Dallas Elliott still posts that uh, on his on his uh, feed every other week. Yeah, <laughs> and hey, Dallas Elliott would be a good story. Thirty for thirty. Oh yeah, no right? living living He's in houses. Living in houses, dating uh, Coors Light six pack cheerleaders from Buffalo, marrying them, and getting divorced, and coming back. And and Dallas is a piece of work, buddy. He was the best goalie, bar none, that I've ever seen in indoor. Best indoor goalie kept us in a lot of games, right, Jake? A lot of games. Absolutely, no doubt. A lot, lot of games, a lot of rings that we have are attributed <laughs> to uh, to the play of Dallas Elliott. God bless him. Yeah, Dallas, it's been a pleasure. It's uh, it's certainly like I said at the onset, uh, two of my favorite players ever to play the game and, and two of my favorite teammates. And, and obviously, uh, Tommy and I came in together and, and Jake and I went out together. And, and so at the end of the day, um, you know, I was I was proud to watch and get to play my last year with your first year, Jake. And Tommy, your career speaks for itself and, and obviously a Hall of Famer and in a lot of Hall of Fames. Uh, and so I'm proud to do this with you guys. Thanks for, for taking some time out and, and, uh, you know, doing the TFL podcast and, and that closes out episode 14 and, and, uh, looking forward to, to, to getting up next week with, uh, with our next guest, but thanks fellas. Appreciate it very much. All right. Thanks. Steve. Thanks. Thanks. Good seeing you. Catch guys, come, a game this year. Come, uh, come down and visit, get on the golf course. Let's do it. Gotta play come a little down. golf.